Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. How can you tell if someone is good just through a phone screen? That's our topic today. This is the second video in our series on video interviewing, and we're talking about the phone screen. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes by identifying a specific problem and providing proven solutions to enable your company to win the right hire. We share insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. John Driscoll. John is the co-founder and CEO of Naked Development. So we're doing this a little differently than our last episode. It's going to be an interactive episode. And I'm really happy to have you joining us today, John. Thanks for doing so. And, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Yes. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate you having me on the show here. Yeah, it's I'm great. happy to have you. And thanks for helping me out. I really appreciate it. So we're going to break this down into two parts. So we're going to talk about the phone screen and the power of a phone screen in your interview process to make sure that you're most effective in saving time. Now, when I'm talking about phone screen, this can be done via video or via phone. It works just as well either way. I prefer video just like I think John does as well because of the fact you get to see somebody, how they react to questions, their facial expression. It's just a, a much better medium. But for all intents and purposes- You why they have weird paint on their wall in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to call you out on that either. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to decide colors on the wall. I'm, I just haven't painted yet. It's yeah. your Van Gogh. We'll just call it your Van Gogh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There yeah. we go. <laughs> all right. So the key points for the episode, we're going to talk about the phone screen. We're going to bring it down into what you're trying to extract out of the phone screen, the most important mm -hmm. pieces. And then we're going to do a little role play, right, John? And we're going to talk about- I'm um, going to try. We're going to try. <laughs> so we're going to run through a role play on a, on a phone screen call. Now, I'm, as I mentioned in the, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about your format for your interview process. The phone screen is a really key piece of it. And I think if you shortcut it, you're killing yourself. That can save you so much time in an interview process and bringing the right people on board. The ideal timing for a phone screen, most people do it in five to 10 minutes. I say flip it and you should be doing it in about 45 minutes to an hour at most. Wow. wow. And the reason being is because you wanna dig deep into three components to make sure that this person is going to be the right person for your organization. John, let me ask you, how long do you typically spend on a phone screen? I, I felt bad when you said 40 minutes. I feel like it's generally about <laughs> 10 to 15, maybe. I feel like, uh, yeah, about 10 to 15. Because normally my goal for that call, and hey, I'm learning here too, as, as you're saying all this stuff, I'm really, uh, our conversation's been really good, is I'm trying to eliminate wasting time down the road, right? I'm trying to basically find any red flags, find anything that is a complete deal killer up front okay. before I invest more time, essentially. Okay. So what are you That's basing that on? You no, know, a lot of times we're talking about, for sure, it, let's just say, you know, we're going to role play, you know, maybe uh, in this instance, is if I'm hiring an engineer or something like that, I'm trying to see if they have the right skill set to even be qualified for the job, Perfect. right? So should I even be on the phone with this person at this point, because a resume doesn't do it. You got to dig in a little bit more. So I'm trying to eliminate things like that. Okay. The reason okay. why I say it's 45 to 60 minutes is because when you're doing a phone screen, you have the opportunity to do a couple different things. You have the opportunity to one, build a relationship and make your company stand out mm -hmm. from your competitors. And if it's somebody who's actively on the market, you want to give yourself a competitive edge. Even if they're not the right person, you still want to give 
good candidate experience. You still want to put them in a position where they enjoy and they get value out of that conversation. If it's a quick kind of wham, bam, thank you, man type thing, which most of us do, yeah. have done, that's transactional. And in the mind of the person you're trying to recruit, whether you know it or not, it's just common like what everybody else is doing. So we want to make sure that we're standing out from our competitors. And two, you really want to focus in on understanding what, who this person is as a person and whether or not they align with your core company values. That's really key. Yes. And I don't think a lot of us do that. I know I didn't do it for probably the first half of my career as a recruiter. It was always these quick, you know, hey, what skills do you have? How do you rate yourself on a scale of one to 10? All right, walk me through a little piece of code you wrote. Then I go straight to how much you're looking to make and all those transactional <laughs> things. The typical questions. Right. Yeah. But the, the problem with those are they're not about the person. It's about you and saving your time. The other person on the other end of the line doesn't see any value out of that conversation. Yeah. Candidate experience has become a, a really hot buzzword, but companies who do it really well have had the ability or given themselves the ability to really cherry pick really good talent. And in this market, mm -hmm. my argument is that right now you have the opportunity to be able to upgrade and really elevate the level of performance within your organization because there are so many good people that are to no fault of their own being displaced. What's really important is you break it down the components of the phone screen into three things that you want to find out. And this is a person's why, what, and how. So I call it the pain, the desire, and the impact. These three pieces are something that I'm looking to find out. So the very first thing that I'm doing as I'm leading into a conversation is I want to understand why this person's talking to me. They could be just looking for a job because and they need a paycheck, which is okay, but you need to make sure that that person's going to align well with the organization. But more importantly, people who are good, who are working, they've got some sort of something that's happened in their career. Maybe they're not moving forward. They're not able to grow. The content of the work is getting boring or there's leadership issues. And those, those tend to be the big three that I come across most of the time when I talk to people mm -hmm. who, are, who are potentially open to talking. And then what I want to do is I want to understand what those pains are. So if somebody actually has a pain like, we just brought in a whole new leadership staff, pushing all out all of their other people. You want to understand really the underlying issues of what's going on and how deep that pain is for them. People feel unappreciated, under-challenged, underutilized. Great. Give them the opportunity to explore that with you and, and tell you what that is. And those are the real opportunities, right, Rick? Like I feel like the opportunities often are someone who is in an existing job is not finding that fulfillment that they maybe had hoped when they got there, right? Yep. Maybe they got sold into a bad scenario, right? They yep. got massive talent and they're just not seeing how they saw their life going. And I feel like those are the people I most look for. Like, yeah. cause I feel like I can offer them so much more than what they currently have. And those are fantastic people to pick off. Again, you mentioned something, they were sold a bill of goods. People take a job under one assumption, and once they start, it's a completely different picture. That happens yeah. really often. Now, what you do want to watch out are what I call self-inflicted wounds. So there's a lot of people that will just always be open, and they're shopping. Somebody pays me more money, then I've got an open ear. Money is often never somebody's motivator unless they're grossly underpaid. So if somebody yeah. said, you know, hey, I took a pay cut of oh, half true. my salary... There's no reason to continue a conversation with somebody if it's all about the money. There just isn't. I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with somebody years later 
that maybe left because they wanted more money yeah and they you know they had personal goals and i i get it and i respected it at the time and wished them well i had this happen recently actually with the, an employee and it was like i could not pay that amount and yeah. i just said you know go for it and he actually said wow it wasn't what i thought it was going to be oh when they joined you know? the other company yeah they yeah. came back and they said you know i wasn't fulfilled like i thought because really in the end the money really isn't important as important as they think it is nope. until they get there some people take a job at another place for more money they're going into a complete shit show you know yeah it's a train wreck and that's why the company yeah. was willing to pay them more money yeah and their the culture that they went into didn't juice them up didn't make them want to wake up in the morning didn't make them want to work late at night no. you know it didn't give them all the things that they really maybe had in a culture that was better that maybe paid them a little less exactly and your happiness yeah. is far more important than the paycheck you know i think so i think but i i think it's hard to convince people of that when they're in that predicament right that's, when they have to make that decision that's yeah. true the second piece that i like to dig into is what is the environment in which this person is going to thrive this is really important now some people have not given it much thought again it's something like where, you know, I'm just looking for a job. Some people have actually thought about it quite a bit. And usually somebody who has a really deep pain will know exactly where they do well. So a vision for the type of company they're going to be successful in. Again, you're getting this information before you share anything about your company. So I usually try to separate my company from this person's vision of where they're going to be successful. So if you're trying mm, to recruit somebody out of good. like a Google and you're thinking, gosh, I really want this guy out of Google. He or she has only been at large companies and they're comfortable in that sort of environment. And you're trying to get that person to join you from a, a small startup. They have to really want to be at a small startup in order for that person to even be considered. There's no reason to chase somebody who's really not going to be happy in your environment. And people will share this with you pretty openly when you have these conversations with them. So we're going to yes. delve into that a little bit deeper. But this is where you find out whether or not somebody's a cultural fit, because they're going to tell you where they're going to align, where they're not going to align. And I really focus in on, okay, well, what type of culture do you do best in and why? What's important with a lot of this is when they give you answers to ask why. The third piece of this is now you want to know how good the person is. Do I have an A, B, or C player? Do I have somebody who's a high performer? You have builders you have improvers, and then you have maintainers. So builders are typically the type of people that you want in an organization like a startup. You just want people who can come in, they can figure out the roadmap, make it happen. Those are the people that you wanna hire. The impact is giving you the evidence to support moving forward with an interview. Does that make sense, John? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. So I'm gonna dig into not their skills, but I'm gonna have them walk me through something that they did that was impactful to the business, either from a monetary or a time-saving perspective or something they were recognized by leadership for doing. High performers will find things that are broken and fix them. Love that. Love those people in a startup. You have to have those people in a startup because they have to be comfortable with a lot of responsibility. They do. We are as entrepreneurs, right? I mean, and you have to be yeah. comfortable um, just diving in and making things happen. So yeah. those are the three points that I'm looking at. The key of those three things is if those three things are all in alignment, now I move forward with the rest of a conversation. That part of a conversation is going to eat up a good 30 minutes, maybe even 45. And then the rest of yeah. it's kind of easy. But the impression that you give people as you bring them through the interview, they're not used to that from anybody. 
And, and so you care to listen to, to that individual, automatically you become that much more attractive. Now, if they don't fit at any point, let's say their desire is completely different than who you are, then you can politely say, hey, you know what? That's not us. What you want, we're not going to be able to, to fill those needs for you. And you have to be open and honest with yourself. Your desire to get that position filled overwhelms your common sense. Yeah, that's what's funny about the interviewer. Sometimes you can feel rejected in the process. It's a, you need to just be honest and just go, this is not a good fit of a relationship. It's yeah. like, it's almost like a dating relationship. This is just not a good fit. Let's just cut our losses <laughs> right now. It's right? not me, it's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, what happens is that people appreciate the fact that you can give them closure too yeah. at that point. So I'm not gonna be yeah. able to help you out. We don't fit, but thank you so much. And then guess what? Now you've opened the door that you can ask for a referral of somebody they might know who might be more in alignment with your company. Because I've given first, I've understood that person and I put myself in a position where I've got a good rap going with that person. Now I've done good by them first. So yeah. that's how you give yeah. good candidate experience. All right. So, hey, John, we had an idea earlier. Okay. We were going we to do a role play. So okay. I want to I wanna do a live action of this if you'll indulge me. Yeah. So I'm going to indulge you. All right, yeah. cool. So my role is going to be, I'm going to be a hiring manager calling you and recruiting you. Okay. And your okay. role is going to be to think of your ideal person that you would naturally hire and um, mm -hmm. be that persona, be that avatar, if you would. Okay. When you open up a phone call, and I've got this all scripted out, I'll include it in the show notes. But when I open up a phone call, the very first thing that I'm going after is um, before I kind of dig into why I'm calling you. I wanted to find out what's happening in your current role that has you open to hearing about something potentially stronger. Okay. And so you're ready for me to role play this. Yeah, okay. let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think what I'm looking for is an exciting opportunity to really showcase my talents and what I think I can bring to the table. It's not that my current job isn't challenging me. It's just that I think I have more to offer. What does that what mean I'm specifically? able to do right now. So I, I think I'm not given enough responsibility to be able to make decisions and really to run my department the way that I really want to. Okay. So why is it that you think that you're not given enough responsibility? Um, well, I just think it's the philosophy of the company. And I think they have a current viewpoint that it's more of a top-down kind of thing. And I'm really looking for a company that really is trying to showcase people's abilities and really allow them to run their own departments the way that they feel they should be able to. And I'm putting you on the spot. So this is kind of fun. But um, no, it's fun, yeah. so what I'm going to do is keep digging okay. in on like really what that is and how deep that yeah. pain is, right? So you want to understand like, well, why is this important to you? There's a natural progression where you as the person who I'm interviewing or talking to tends to go into what they want to do. We're not there yet. You know, they'll lead you to that path. Oh, like I already did when you were asking those questions. I kind of just took you there just yeah. by answering the question, right? Exactly. Yeah. But you, yeah, you want to understand good. like really how big of an issue it is for this person, why this is important to you, how this is affecting your daily life, your family, you know, how you feel about it, how you feel about yourself. That's what I want to make sure that I'm digging in and understanding. It's an easy transition. Okay, well, I, I get where you are, John, and I understand that you like to get more out of your role. So give me an idea of what you think, if you could design your next company from scratch, what would that look like? Well, I, I think you know, I'm actually going to use some real things that I've learned that to answer this question, which is, you know, I think what I'd want to do is bring a group of individuals 
who have like-minded philosophy on how to do technology and how to do the creative side of what we do. And if we could see the world the same, then I think we can design a company that, you know, could really do some significant work. For me, philosophy first. Okay, so walk me through what like-minded philosophy is to you. Yeah, so, you know, simplicity of design for us in technology, it'd be simplicity of design. What does really that mean? focused on not trying to build too much at once, uh, really having a true minimum viable product, which is, you know, what we really focus on, which is simplicity of software, really finding the philosophy we have is what we call the hot dog. It's by Jason Fried and his book, Rework little plug for that book, is the idea of a core concept and really building with iterations after that. People who really see that the same, really know and believe the same things. And those are the people I want to work with. Okay. Simplicity. What other components are important to you? Well, I think also management style. I think it's, it has to do with accountability, transparency, but not micromanagement, not believing that, you know, you need to have a meeting every single day, wasting a lot of time with managers and meetings, the M&Ms, and staying out of that world and trying to be efficient with our time and allowing ourselves to have alone time so we can do our work. Now, I'm usually going to dig deeper on that and really understand it. The other pieces that I really want to understand is what type of culture do you do best in? What what size organization do you feel that you're best in? Now, this is kind of a tricky one because a lot of people will say something like, well, you know, I do good in really any environment. Not really. Builders don't do well in a maintainer role. So if you stick somebody who's a builder into into a small lane at a large company, they're not going to do as well. That's really what you have to really suss out, what type of role they're looking to play, and then the domain. So where their interests lie, what technology, what industries, where are they most excited about? So it gives me an idea of where their passions lie. Now, these are all checkboxes. If somebody doesn't have pain, you cut the call, move on. If somebody's desire is completely different than what your company is, you cut it, you move it on. Would you just cut the call in the middle of that conversation, Rick? I, yeah, I wrap it up. I give people closure. For example, if we're talking about pain and they don't really have a pain, they say, well, I'm really happy here, but you know, I always entertain more money. I totally get that, but you should just stay where you are. Yeah. There's no reason yeah, to sure. talk to anybody if you're really happy there. And sometimes that's a defense mechanism that people put up to screen you out. But again, if you're introduced to somebody, you're not going to get that as much. So I will I will wrap it up at whatever point and just let them know that, hey, look, at this is going to be a fit. And here's why. And we both agree upon it. And we part as friends. People appreciate that quite a bit. The third piece that we're going to talk about is the impact. The way that I lead into that is tell me about the most significant impact you've made in your current role. And what I mean by that is walk me through a project that you took on outside of the scope of your job and something that's tied to either increasing revenue or saving time for the company or leadership recognized you for the contribution that you made in some sort of way. Now, a lot of people kind of hem and haw about this and they start telling you a little bit about, well, I've got four years of this, five years of that and go into their lane of what they're used to talking about. So you're gonna have to pull them out and go, no, walk me through a project. There's two things to look out for. We're not touching skills. We're just talking about a project. If somebody's identified a problem and they've actually taken it upon themselves to do it and fix it and move on from it, 
they'll usually tell you that problem. If somebody just stays mm -hmm. in their lane and what they do is the work they've agreed upon, that's what they're going to do. It gives you a little bit of a snapshot as to- You know what you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you that. So John, tell me about the most significant impact you've had in a current project that you worked on. It's funny. And now I want to switch gears on who I'm hiring right now because I want to <laughs> give a personal example. Maybe I'll just do that anyways. Sure. I'm going to give a personal example that I actually- really felt was a big thing is, you know, I was in a role and we were basically doing like what most consultants do. And we were trying to scope out projects ahead of time and try to extract what this person wanted to build. And what I did is I switched gears instead of trying to win projects through scoping over the phone in a quick haphazard manner, I switched it and we started to charge a consulting fee upfront so that we could truly go through that and do through a discovery phase and sell projects that way. By solving that problem, we increased revenue. And we also increased the quality of the work that we were doing for people. And it seemed to be a fair exchange between us and the client. And it was a huge thing for our company. It was just seeing a problem and trying to solve it. And see, you want to look for that sort of example with the people that you're interviewing. Let's say, for example, you were to say, look, I, I saw there was a problem with the UI that we had and nobody was available to fix it. So I just stepped in. I'm not even a UI person. I went in and there was a bunch of issues with whatever. I stepped in, I fixed the yeah. problem and I was actually able to increase performance by X percent. And as a result, we didn't lose a major client that we were on the verge of losing. Yeah. See, those sort of things yeah. are what you're looking for. Yeah. Especially in a startup, you need, everybody has to take initiative. We have a motto at our company. It says, we are leaders. It's on a big chalkboard wall, huge letters. We are leaders. Everybody is a leader in the building. You see a problem, lead and fix it. Don't look for somebody else to fix it. You saw it. It is now your job to fix it because you saw it. And that's a motto that we live by. See, you probably have a culture of builders. No right? question. That, that's good. So I'm going to dig into how you did things. What happens here is people talk about, we did this, we did that. So I don't want to know mm -hmm. what you and your team did. I want to know what you did specifically and then how you did it. Yeah. So make sure that you go deep on these. That's super important to understand exactly the impact that somebody made. Because again, yeah. you're going to get a lot of we and sometimes people stretch the truth because their goal is get the interview with you. Don't wrap up this piece until you know, I've got an A player here. I've got somebody who's really a high performer. Mm -hmm. If that's what your culture is, if you don't need a high performer, Former. If you just need somebody who can come in and maintain code or do something like that, then it should be specific to the role. And then I'm going to get into skills. Walk me through what your core strengths are. So we've gone through this after I have an understanding of what this person does from a performance perspective. And then, you know, as you know, John, skills can be taught. The, Easily. The main point here is that you've got somebody who fits into your organization. Skills are really not as important because really smart people who are high performers can figure things out. And that gives them motivation to join your company too, because they're doing something different than what they've been doing. I don't spend really a whole lot of time on it. I just poke holes into well, how would you do it? But for the most part, I know what I have at this point. Then I can find out, commute, where they're interviewing. Now, this is kind of an interesting question because it's really important for pacing purposes. Do I need to get this person in tomorrow because this person's expecting an offer? Or do I have some time? So I'm going to properly pace out the interview process for them. And I'm going to let them know that, hey, look, at, in order for me to pace out the process, where are you interviewing? You can also ask where they are in the process. A lot of times they share the names with you. That gives you a competitive advantage because they're not really sharing it with everybody else. 
That first part of this conversation allows that person to trust you. So they share a lot more information than they typically would in a very transactional five to 10 minute call. Then you find out work authorization status. I don't deal with salary until the end. So I'll usually ask, What's your availability for an interview this week? And then because I have to ask, what what are your minimum salary requirements? What are you looking to make in your next organization? In California, you can't ask for their salary, but you can get an idea of what they're looking to make. They may throw it back to you and say, well, you know, what's the salary range for this role? Um, Which you can give them a range. If they share Mm -hmm. their salary with you, great. But in most cases, they'll give you a range of what they're looking to make. The very last question that I wrap up with, and this is a really important question on a phone screen. So what are three or four main criteria that you need to see within an organization for you to accept an offer with them? This is giving me how they're prioritizing the things that they told you were their pain and their desire and how they're going to make a decision on an offer. This gives you the tools to, if you get to an offer, to close them. I don't call it closing. It's more opening. You're opening them up to joining your company. For all intents and purposes, three or four main criteria that they're going to use to base their decision on joining or not joining your company. Usually you'll get a mirror of what you got in the beginning. But what's really interesting is that prior, like they don't try to, but I think psychologically people prioritize what's more important to them. So the order in which it comes out is actually what what it is you're going to accept. So I can go back and test that. You listed salary as number one. Why is that the most important thing to you, John? And then am I done now, And that's important to know because you want to see if you're in the ballpark, right? Like, you know, some people don't put enough importance. Some people put too much importance, right? So you want them to be a little motivated to make more money. I think there's anything wrong with that. Absolutely. We got to support our families. We have to do what we need to do to pay our bills, right? Money's not evil here. But if that's your only motivation, then that's not the best motivation for you to be. Yeah, especially if you're hiring for a startup, it's not, they're probably not going to get as much as they would if they went and worked for a larger company. That's just part of the deal. Exactly. They're not, but they're going to have a lot more impact. And if that's important to them, now you gave them that growth opportunity they were looking for. There's more upside, right? There's more upside on the potential And that's what they're really in it for. Yeah. Now, here's where a lot of companies fail at the end. John, thank you for sharing all that information with me. So here's where I see you fit the opportunity. Now you can start talking about your organization, your role, what things are. And I encourage you to be super honest, brutally honest about who you are, what you are, and tell the person where they fit, where the things that are important to them fit, and where you're off. Hey, John, look, you told me that you're looking for a culture that's an open culture. Everybody's working. You know, we have offices here where we put like two to three people in an office. We do have collaboration, but it's not a big open working space. That's where I see we're a bit off. How important is that to you? Right. Or it may be, um, hey, I like to have my own space. I like to go up in a room and code and I don't want to be bothered when I have my headphones on that's the case, and that's really not your environment, then again, let them know and let them make the decision. Let them know where they fit and where they don't. If they don't fit, great. If they fit, fantastic. Well, even the idea of remote work now is like how much, how many days for us, how many days in the office are you going to want me to be there? For us, we generally only require people to be there three days a week. Well, no no days a week right now, right? (laughs) Well, right now, nobody's yeah. working. Yeah, there's one guy in the office. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Yeah, most people are working from home like me. But even on a normal basis, we encourage remote work in a certain ratio. And so I think some people now are interviewing with the lifestyle that I don't have to be on a freeway every day. 
I should be able to stay home certain days. And yeah. I think that's a relevant question. That's a great lifestyle opportunity for people. Most definitely. Yeah. And with that, now, if the person's interested, invite them in for an interview. Your next round is going to be video interviews. And we're going to cover that in our next segment. But basically, now you're going to move them forward in the process. And you got a very viable person that most likely you will hire. John, any other thoughts that you'd like to add to this? No, I, I feel like I learned a ton because I, I feel like I'm unorthodox. And I think you're going to make me even more unorthodox uh, by some of the things that you do. My role is generally the last interview. They've done a lot of that groundwork before they got to me. And my role is what I call the cultural interview. I'm trying to find out whether they're a builder. You nailed it. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Whether they're what I believe is a leader that they're going to find problems and solve them and not wait for management to solve problems. That's not something I believe in. So yeah, I felt, but I felt like, you know, even the idea of a longer call, I feel like I learned a ton about that. And I don't do video interviews, then I feel like I should. I, oh, well, I feel like maybe I should do that. Well, hopefully now. you'll help me out with the next one. Yeah. And we'll actually talk about the video interviews and we'll get that dialed in for you as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All for right, sure. perfect. Well, we're going to post all this in our show notes. So anybody who's interested, you can reach out to me. John, thank you so much for taking the time and, and tuning oh, in. Now, fine. if anybody's interested <laughs> in finding out more about you and your company, how would they reach you? Oh, yeah, just go to nakeddev.com, D-E-V.com, or you can find us on Instagram at nakeddev as well. And please DM us. I often answer that myself. Well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this special edition of the Higher Power Radio Show. As always, if you have any questions, drop me a line at rickatstridesearch.com. So thanks for tuning in to the special episode. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and thank you for listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success, Rick Turner.